The scripture reading this morning will be from Genesis 49, which is found on page 82 in your few Bibles. Then Jacob called for his sons and said, Gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power. Turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel. For you went up onto your father's bed, onto my couch, and defiled it. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly. For they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger, so fierce, and their fury, so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down, like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun will live by the seashore and become a haven for ships. His border will extend towards Sidon. Isaacar is a raw-boned donkey lying down among the sheep pens. When he sees how good is his resting place and how pleasant is his land, he will bend his shoulder to the burden and submit to forced labor. Dan will provide justice for his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan will be a snake by the roadside, a viper along the path that bites the horse's heels so that, it, so that its rider tumbles backwards. A look for your deliverance, Lord. Gad will be attacked by a band of raiders, but he will attack them at their heels. Asher's food will be rich. He will provide delicacies fit for a king. Naphtali is a doe set free that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility, but his bow remained steady. His, arms, his strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. Because of your father's God who helps you, because of the Almighty who blesses you with blessings of the skies above, blessing, blessings of the deep springs below, blessings of the breasts and womb. Your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of, of the ancient mountains, than the bounty of the age-old hills. Let all these rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince among his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours the prey. In the evening he divides the plunder. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what the Father said to them when he blessed them, giving each the, the blessing appropriate to him. The death of Jacob. Then he gave them these instructions. I am about to be gathered by my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite, the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in Canaan, which Abraham bought along with the field as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite. There Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebekah were buried. And there I buried Leah. The field and the cave in it were bought from the Hittites. 
When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his sons, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. People of God, we have the fascinating account of Jacob uh, blessing his, uh, his sons. And so all the names and things, uh, there's so much here. It's just, uh, just fascinating how that works itself out in the, all the details that are mentioned. I just wanted to start by, by tying to last Sunday when we talked about um, Abraham buying the field and the, the giants that were in Hebron and how we have giants of faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so we, we looked at that last week and how God pours out his, his love into our lives and we need to receive it. This week, uh, thinking about a, a father's blessing. And so this is Jacob, Jacob, the father of these, these 12 sons. And so he speaks a word of blessing on them. Our text is verse 28, which says, all these are the 12 tribes of Israel. And, and Jacob's name is both Jacob and Israel. Jacob uh, was renamed by God, Israel, after he struggled with God. Israel means struggles with God. So all these are the 12 tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them, giving each the blessing appropriate to him. Congregation of Jesus Christ, we are, we are looking at a father's blessing. And so Jacob is, is doing that. He wants to be a blessing. He wants to give a blessing to his sons. And so, so we read that here. That's the true heart of a father. Uh, a godly father wants to do that, to bless and to be a blessing. And our text says that these are the specific words, these are the things specifically that Jacob said to his sons. They were gathered there. He calls them all together, verse 49, so all 12 of them sitting there. And this is what he says to them. So we read through it all, all the things he said. What do you think? It, it might strike you. Did anything strike you uh, just a little, a little off? In the maybe, maybe you wonder: Are these, are these words of blessing? <laughs> some of them. I don't know. Some of the boys sitting there would have been maybe a little embarrassed, right? I mean, is this what, what's what's really going on here? Because we read through, there was. There were things, and I'll point out things to you as well. There were things that, that you would say, I, I don't know, are those kind of encouraging words of blessing or what? So what is going on here? When Jacob offers these words, and, and in the Bible when words of blessing are offered, we need to realize it's always and only God who can bless. So Jacob, Jacob is saying these words, 
But in the background, what, what, what can he do? Well, he, he can pass on some advice. He can pass on his example. There is some passing on of, of, of some of his material possessions. But it's God who blesses. And that's, that's the picture here, even in verse 18, where, where he all of a sudden calls on God in between things. I look for your deliverance, O Lord. Lord, you are the one who, who will work in these things. So, so there's... There is a clear hope in God that's being expressed by Jacob. And this is the Old Testament view of blessing. And it grows out of a relationship with God. That's what it means to be blessed. To be in a close relationship with God. An obedient walk with God. The Hebrew word uh, for blessed is barak. Barak is, is a beautiful word uh, often mentioned in the Old Testament, the Hebrew. It's always in the context of Beshem, in God's name. And so, for example, Psalm 129, verse 8, where it says, The blessing of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of the Lord. So that's a blessing to draw... God's presence, God's power, God's name into. And so the passing on of the blessing is really to pass on that, that spiritual center of life. So a father would want to pass on that spiritual center that he has to his offspring. That's to bless, to, to grow in that relationship with the living God. And that in the New Testament flows into our relationship with Jesus Christ by the Spirit. And so a father's blessing is to, to have that relationship and to, to have also those under his care grow in that relationship. So that's blessing. It includes words of affirmation and hope expressed in God, but also the reality of weaknesses and struggles. So really, uh, the focus on blessing is on the God who blesses, and, and the blessing invites the person blessed to enter more fully into faith and trust in God. So that's, that's a, a definition of blessing. The focus on blessing is on the God who blesses, and it's really an invitation to the people, the person, to enter more fully into that faith relationship. So, so in a way, we can ask this morning, does it really apply to us? Is that really uh, something? And in this definition, definitely, this is, this is a, a definition that, that applies to us as fathers today, too. And Father's Day is a good day to, to think about these things and to, as fathers, too, reflect on, on our place and, and the faith that we have and, and how we express that, how we pass that on. And so that's our focus this morning, and we want to have God's Word direct us in that. I want to look with you at the blessings Jacob gives, and, and the one is very instructive for us as, as believers generally and as fathers. Why does he give these blessings? And so we want to let God's Word speak into our lives. I wanted to start just with a quick reference back to chapter 48. We didn't read chapter 48, but in Genesis 48, there's already Jacob blessing, and, and the picture there is where 
Joseph comes. So Joseph is one of the sons of Jacob. And Joseph brings his children. So Jacob's grandsons. And two of them, Ephraim and Manasseh, are specifically blessed by Jacob as part even of his 12 sons. And so you, you get an initial, okay, what's going on here? Jacob is, is blessing his grandsons, Ephraim and Manasseh. And the specific wording that comes through there is a particular blessing that comes out later on in biblical stories too, where, where one family will say to another, or, or one father will say to his children, even hundreds of years later, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So these two grandsons are, are highlighted, and they become tribes in Israel, and they have land and position, and, and they are raised up to a, a real sense of, of blessing. God truly pours out his blessing on these two grandsons. Their prosperity is based on their walk with God, though. They do seek to walk with God faithfully. So why, why when, we were, when we were traveling through, through the Middle East, uh, when we were away for a couple of weeks, one of the things that, that kept coming back in the studies that we did, and we studied many passages of Scripture, was, was to ask again the, the, the text, why? Why is this going on? Why is it like this? Why does Jacob bless Ephraim and Manasseh separately before he blesses his 12 sons? Why does he bless these two boys? Why is, what's going on? And then if you ask that question, and then if you just think about it a little more deeply, what's, what is going on exactly? What is, who, who are Ephraim and Manasseh? Well, they're the children of Joseph. And, and how... Did they get such a strong faith? Well, because if you read through the book of Genesis, which of the 12 sons is talked about most? Joseph. And we hear his whole story, right? Joseph, sold by his brothers, yet remaining faithful. Joseph, in Potiphar's house, remaining faithful, but betrayed by his wife. Joseph in jail, remaining faithful, but uh, the, the wine steward forgets to mention him. Joseph, who finally comes into Pharaoh's court and, and serves magnificently, what was he doing? He was being faithful, faithful to God. His whole witness of life, Joseph's life, we know it. It's recorded here. And through all of that, a constant witness to the center of, of his hope is trusting God. It's evident in the whole story of his life recorded for us in Scripture, and it must have been evident to his sons. It must have been. Because this is what he lived out. Through difficult circumstances, they saw it. And his life wasn't easy, but they heard it. And through all of that, they were blessed as his center was on God alone. 
the blessing was passed on. And Jacob is, is not adding anything, is not uh, magically doing anything. He is simply saying to those boys, you saw it in your dad, and it has to be in you. That's where blessing lies. And so that's the initial example that's given as this uh, Genesis, the whole book of Genesis, moves to a close. And, and uh, the people who are involved are focused on God's central place, his work in their lives. And that call of faith continues to be on our lives as we want to serve and live for our God. The reality of Joseph's story is that it's not easy. It, it's not easy. Life is not just easy. And so within that reality, we as fathers, all of us actually, but yeah, we as fathers, to keep that central focus of faith. That's the message. That's the challenge. So that's for us again today. Another thing that we learn when we read, move into chapter 49, and, and just to ask the text again, just to ask, okay, here, Jacob. Jacob is calling his sons together. Uh, where, where is he actually now? Where is Jacob? Where are these boys living? Well, well, Joseph has brought them all to Egypt, right? And where are they living in Egypt? In the land of Goshen, in the best land. And when they are living there, life is good and life is easy, actually. They are, they are blessed, yeah, financially, uh, like we are maybe here. Things are good for them. And then... Jacob calls them aside. He doesn't say, oh, you got some good work, you got good jobs here, everything, the land, farming is good, okay, you know, that's great, fine, thank you very much. No, he, he basically is pushing all of that back and is saying your trust has to be in God. All of this, all of this easy, nice, abundance kind of thing is actually a threat. And so he is actually pulling them together. They got to take a day off work. They got to gather around with their dad. They, they got to sit down with him and listen to him because he's going to talk to them about God's place in their life. Not Egypt. Egypt, Egypt is abundance. Uh, even as we travel through Egypt, it is, it is so obviously amazing. Anything you would want, you can get. It's, it was just but there's nothing there. That's not blessing. Blessing is only by faith in God. That's where blessing lies. That's the hope. That's the promise that we take hold of, also the promise of Jesus Christ. So remain strong in faith. So Jacob is giving that very clear example as he calls his sons together that the blessed center we need to hold on to, that the blessing is with God, with Jesus in faith. What does that look like? What does that look like? And, and really the 12 are 12 examples. We're not going to look at all of them. Let me just uh, give you a, a, a sense of what's involved. First of all, the blessing of Reuben, Genesis 9 verse 4. 
where he says to Reuben, first of all, yeah, turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel, for you went up onto your father's bed, onto my couch and defiled it. What is that? Well, that's, that's tremendously embarrassing for Reuben. That's, that's an occasion in his life. As the firstborn, he, he did have entitlement. As the firstborn son, he would receive a double portion. A double portion of, of even just the material things of his father as well as God's blessing. There was a, a vision of, okay, you are the first strength. You are the blessed one. But, but we already saw in Genesis 48, Joseph gets the double blessing. His two sons are blessed. Reuben has somehow lost that. And then when it says here in terms of going up on my bed, in Genesis 35 verse 22, it says, Reuben slept with his father's wife. So it wasn't his mother. Jacob had several wives, concubines. That was how it was at that time. But Reuben very deliberately slept with Bilhah, one of his father's wives. What is that? That's not a sexual lust kind of thing. When, when this was written, when this was read, when the brothers heard it all together, they understood right away it was a lust for power. Reuben, Reuben was like Satan, who had been given much but wanted more. Reuben was the firstborn. He had the double portion. He had authority and, and influence beyond the other brothers, but he wanted more. And to actually be with one of his father's other wives gave him more authority, more say even over everything. It was an act of taking more control, more power. It was a lust for power. He wanted it all. And so Reuben's ungodly act is warned against here. It's pictured. He's sitting there with his dad. He's sitting there with his brothers. He is still sitting right there as this comes up. So this thing that he has done has caused all kinds of upset, and you can read about that in Genesis 35. It has been dealt with. It, it has been forgiven. He is still there. He has taken the consequences of it. He is no longer first. He is no longer doubly blessed. But he is still there, and he is still hearing, and he is still able to respond to the grace of God in his life that he recognizes that that push for power, that push for influence, that push for more will not be blessed. That's really what's being said here. That, that is a reminder to fathers in general, I think, 
because there are times when, when in the work and in life's opportunities and in things that we think, okay, push, 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 more, farther, bigger, and what happens? God, God fades. I'm just, I'm just pushing myself. I'm going to have a bigger business. I'm going to have more money. I'm going to do more. More influence. More power. And, and the kids, what's, what happens with the kids? Yeah, the, the relationship between father and kids goes down. Family goes down. Reuben recognized that weakness in himself and that that push was not blessed and he humbles himself and he does still have a place among God's people absolutely there is a picture of grace and forgiveness but there's a clear warning and it's a blessing to be warned amen so we are warned again today so Jacob, inspired by God, blesses his son in grace, warning him, warning others, warning us. The focus needs to be on, on our God, not on our place and power and influence. So that's what's really being said here. Notice the second, the second one, Genesis uh, 49, verse 7. Two boys are mentioned, Simeon and Levi. And here specifically, this is supposed to be a blessing, right? He's supposed to be blessing them, but he says to them, cursed, cursed be their anger, so fierce and their fury, so cruel. What is he talking about? Simeon and Levi, in, uh, in Genesis 34, they, their sister Dinah is, is, is basically um, dishonored uh, by a, a leader of Shechem. And there's a whole story where they, they insist that the men of Shechem be circumcised and then they go when, when they are in, in a weakened position and they kill all the men of Shechem and they, they even uh, hamstring the horses and the oxen and, and they, they just totally destroy that whole place in, in defending their sister's honor. And so there's, there's a huge uncontrolled anger it's especially evident when it says in Jacob's blessing and Jacob's words to them that they hamstrung the oxen. To hamstring oxen is, is way beyond. Um, there would occasionally, uh, you would hamstring a horse because it was a, a military animal, but an ox was a peaceful animal. And so it's just a, a picture of their cruelty, their anger. It, it was uncontrolled. It was, it was just fierce and cruel and not blessed, not good. Fathers can have anger issues. Fathering, being a father, is, is a real challenge. And sometimes a father can become angry in situations, in family situations or, or, or different situations and, and, and it can be overdone. It can just become cruel, excessive punishment, excessive authority in anger, physical power. Fathers need to be controlled by God. And their anger, too, 
controlled by God. And so that's another blessed warning. Simeon and Levi are still part of the family. They're still sitting there. They're still graciously received. They are still in the context of God's word speaking to them. And they are being blessed and being warned. But we again reminded, how are we in terms of our anger? It can be a real hindrance. And so to recognize the blessing of the warning and to walk in, in a just and right way with our God. The third one is Judah. Judah, beautiful example of godliness. Uh, among the boys, the, the one we know the next most about is Judah. Judah is mentioned several times, and the thing we notice about Judah is that he is a godly man. In Genesis 37, verse 26, as they're all discussing what to do with Joseph, Joseph is in the pit, they're going to kill him, and it's Judah. Judah who stands up and does two things. He spares Joseph's life by saying, let's sell him, and he spares his brothers the guilt of the death of their brother that they would have carried. He steps in as a mediator. It's Judah who mediates and really saves the family at that point. Then in Genesis 38, there's a story of Judah as a father who messes up. And with his, his children and then with his uh, daughter-in-law, uh, sorry, yeah, his daughter Start with Tamar, with Tamar. It's, it's a whole uh, difficult story, things that go on, and he does not do right. And at the end of that, he confesses his sin, and he's forgiven. And, and it's a very powerful story of a father. Do you as a father ever admit that you do anything wrong? No. That's a weakness, man. That's a weakness. He admits it. He confesses it, and he is restored. And then in Genesis 43, verse 8, when the brothers go down to Egypt, when they go for the second time for grain, and when Joseph has set them up, and that Joseph says, I'm going to keep Benjamin here, then Judah. Judah is the one who steps up. And in Genesis 44, verse 33, do we have it here? Yeah. He is saying to Joseph, now then, please let your servant remain here as my Lord's slave in place of the boy Benjamin. And let the boy return with his brothers. Take my life. Let him go free. That's, that's Christ. That's Christ-like. And so the Christ of God, Jesus, the Son of God, is born of Judah because that's the heart. That's the center. That's the blessed living self-sacrificially before God. And it's seen in the life of Judah to his family. It's seen, yeah, finally in Jesus Christ. But that's a living in a way that honors God first that sees selfless, a selfless faith. And that reminds us, that calls us to a Christ-like selfless faith as well as fathers. And so that's exactly what's involved here in Genesis 49. So we see in, in this blessing, 
beautiful, powerful, focusing lives, apart from struggles, apart from sin, on our God, on our faith, on Jesus Christ. Just a, a couple more, two more, and then I'll finish with uh, Naphtali. Zebulun, in Genesis uh, 14, verse 13, is, a, is beautiful too. Zebulun will live by the seashore and become a haven for ships. His border will extend towards Sidon. The key with Zebulun is a haven. Peaceful. Zebulun is, is a man of, of peace. He's a peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. His, his is, a, is a, as a father, are you a peacemaker? Are you a, a haven for your family and for your children? Are you able to just be that place where they can come in the storms of their life, a place of comfort? Jesus himself is the Prince of Peace. He gives us peace deep in our hearts, the peace of God, the shalom to others. So Zebulon presents that. That was the blessing in his life of knowing God as his center, his peace, and being a peacemaker. Uh, Genesis 49, verse 15, Issachar is, uh, when he sees how good is his resting place and how pleasant is his land, he will bend his shoulder to the burden and submit to forced labor. This is a picture of someone who is, is taken over. Issachar is taken over by the things of this world. And so he sees how pleasant the place is, right? Issachar. He sees how much pleasure the world has to offer. And he puts his shoulder into getting more of that pleasure. He is the one who's out with all the toys, doing all the stuff, having all the fun, because, boy, this is a great land, and I'm making lots of money, and I'm out doing everything I could possibly imagine. And God is not in the picture and faith is not in the picture, and the church is not in the picture at all, faith. And, and he is enslaved. The statement, the Hebrew of Issachar here, he is a hired servant. He is a slave. He is putting his shoulder to a burden that will not give him any blessing. He has the garage full, he has the yard full, he has all the things, but there is not a single bit of blessing there. He's a hired out to Satan and to the things of this world. It's a warning. Issachar has to be aware of that temptation, especially in Egypt where there were all kinds of things too. Things we do should not set aside our faith. We shouldn't let things master us. And so there is a, a definite warning. So you see in this whole blessing, you see how it goes. Jacob is placing the focus of blessing on a close relationship with God. That is where blessing lies. That's a father's blessing. He has similar words for Dan and Gad. Uh, Asher is very prosperous, but then very generous. And that's a very blessed way to live in a very greedy, selfish world, to live very generously. Are you generous as a father? What an example to your family. 
Finally, I wanted to close with Genesis uh, 49, verse 21, Naphtali. Why? Why would you close with Naphtali? Naphtali is a dough set free that wears beautiful fonts. What in the world does that mean? That's kind of nice. It's not very masculine. It's, it's a blessing, right? Naphtali. You need to realize that the word for fawn is also a word, an eloquent, an eloquent speech. He gives birth to eloquent speech. He, Naphtali speaks well. So this is a, there, there is a, a nice pastoral, but the first readers would know it too, that the 12 sitting around, they would know. Naphtali spoke well. He spoke well. Well, that's nice. So that moves us to, to thinking, okay, how do we speak as fathers? Uh, do we speak well? There is blessing in the choice of words that we use. Uh, do we gossip? Do we slander? Uh, do we curse or not? Do we speak words of encouragement? That's absolutely part of it here. You will be blessed when you speak well. You will be a blessing as a father when you speak well of things and to others. Another question. Naphtali. All of the brothers, all of the tribes were given land. Where was Naphtali? Where was the land, the region of Naphtali? Well, we don't, we don't have this memorized probably. Let me tell you. Naphtali the region where that tribe actually established itself in Israel was the region along the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. That was the place. Places like Capernaum and Chorazin. That's where the tribe of Naphtali lived and did its, its yeah, where did Jesus do most of his ministry? Along the north shore, along the north side of the Sea of Galilee. The most eloquent words that have ever been spoken came from Naphtali. Where did most of the disciples come from? Jesus called them from beside the sea, from Naphtali. Why? so that they would speak eloquent words. Words of life and hope. Words of faith and truth. The blessing of Naphtali is, if we as fathers have that word of Jesus on our lips and in our hearts, and that we speak a word of faith. How often do you speak a word of faith to your children? that you say to them, how is it with you and the Lord? Beautiful words, eloquent words, powerful words. John 1 says, Jesus came as the Word, the Word made flesh. Listen to him, God says at his baptism. Listen to the words. The Sermon on the Mount was preached in the region of Naphtali by Jesus. Such a blessing, words of hope, amazing words.
So in, in Genesis 49, all of that is already being uh, touched on. And we, looking back, can see the blessing of God as we see these things worked out. Genesis 49, verse 28, our text says that Jacob spoke all these words to them and he blessed them, giving each a blessing appropriate to him. Each according to his character, each according to his walk of faith, some were warned, some were honored, all were called to a closer walk with God, a closer walk with Christ in their families and in their homes. And so this Father's Day again, we are challenged, we are called to take that responsibility, to heed the warnings, and to follow Christ. And then we will be blessed. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father,